Hello, beloveds. This is Anna Marie with the Everything is Dating podcast. This episode, we will be discussing relationships with the ego. And next episode, I'm thinking we will go ahead and start getting into more interpersonal relationships. So look forward to that one. The ego is an interesting topic because in the spiritual and personal development communities, the ego gets a really bad rap. People who think that they know what they're talking about and have absolutely no idea will frequently tell you to kill the ego, to get rid of the ego, to not listen to the ego, to shut the ego up. Uh, and it's, it's, it's poppycock. Yes, I use the word poppycock. It's drivel. It's ridiculous. It is stupid. Um, the ego is an essential part of who you are on this earth, in this dimension, in this time, space, place. You need your ego. An attempt to live without the ego is foolish um, and, and also impossible. You, you can't do it. People who think that they've quote unquote gotten rid of their ego or have killed their ego very frequently, their ego has learned to speak spiritual language, spiritual speak, and is just as alive and well as it has ever been. You cannot get rid of it. It doesn't have anywhere to go. It is a part of you. Um, and you can tell I'm a little bit passionate about this, but I'm passionate about it because it is such a pervasive lie in many of our communities that the ego is inherently bad and that it is a problem to be gotten rid of when in reality the only way to fully integrate to fully embody who you are to really make a difference in the world to be who you came here to be is to utilize the ego is to make friends with the ego, is to lead the ego and use it as it was meant to be used. So let me share, if you if you followed me for a long time, then you've probably heard this. I'm willing to bet somewhere, but you'll have to bear with me while I share it with everyone else. Let me share what the ego is through kind of a little bit of an analogy. For those of you who know me, you know I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, love Lord of the Rings, watch Lord of the Rings at least once every couple of months uh, because I'm obsessed with it. Um, and in that movie, there is a steward to the kingship, right? He was never meant to rule as the king. He was meant to hold the seat for when the king showed up. Uh, in the movie, if you've read the books, you know there's a little bit more backstory. But in the movie, this steward's name was Denethor, and he was holding the seat for Aragon. But when Aragon showed up, he didn't want to give up his seat. He'd grown greedy. He was put in the seat to protect the throne, to protect the kingdom, to keep it safe for the king. But by the time the king came back, he'd grown, he'd grown greedy. He wanted to keep his seat. He wanted to keep his throne. He wanted to keep his power. And the ego is very similar to a steward who has grown a little too drunk with power. Now, of course, like most analogies, it's not a perfect analogy. When you were around six or seven, so let's actually back up a little bit more than that. The ego 
is a part of you from the moment that you're born. Um, quite frankly, I don't know if it if it exists outside of us in the spiritual world or not. I don't I don't know quite exactly how that works. But by the time that you're born, the ego's there. And your ego watches year after year, day after day, as your little heart gets broken over and over and over again. It watches people discount you because you're young. It watches your emotions get trampled. It watches your parents harm you without meaning to um, or purposefully, depending on who you are and who your parents were. It watches as your teachers tell you that certain things aren't good enough. It watches as you're dancing and your parents tell you to stop because you're annoying them. It watches every single time that you feel pain. And your ego's initial job is to protect you from that pain. Your ego is like the commander of the army. It's suppo- its job, the very thing that it's supposed to do is to protect you from unnecessary pain, to keep you safe. So for instance, um, if you walk up to a stove and you put your hand on the burner and you discover, oh, hey, stove burners are hot, it's the job of the ego to keep you from touching stove burners again. That's what it's designed to do, to create a little bit of fear to keep you from ever doing that again so that you won't hurt yourself unnecessarily. So the ego watches you continually get hurt emotionally over and over and over again for the first seven years of your life. And then around the age of six or seven, the ego decides that it has had enough. It's tired of seeing you being hurt. It's tired of seeing people walk all over you. It's tired of watching your heart break over and over and over again because the adults around you are frankly ignorant of how to protect and care for the emotions of children. It's not their fault. They're raised in a society where they don't, the society just doesn't know how to protect a child, how to make a child feel safe and secure, how to allow a child to express their emotions without belittling them. They just don't know. But the ego is so sick by the age of six or seven, of seeing a child be put through all of this pain, that it says, you know what? Fuck it. We are done. We are not going to feel this anymore. Um, and, And depending on how strong your ego is and how strong the pain has been, this is when frequently narcissists are created. The ego may go all the way and say, we are not going to feel any pain anymore. Or it may be a little bit more moderate, which it is for most of us, and just says, we're going to conform, we're going to fit into the herd, we're going to put on a mask, we are going to not show our emotions as much, we're going to hide them a lot more, we're going to become whatever it is that we need to become to be safe in this family group, and the ego steps into the throne of the heart, it says, now I'm going to take my seat, I'm going to be the steward, and then it says to us, you know, like the, the original idea is, you know, when you get older and you can take care of yourself, fine, you can lead. But right now I'm sick of you being hurt and you're not going to be hurt anymore. So then it puts on a mask. And that for most of us is the mask we wear for the rest of our lives. It's who we think we are. It's the personality that we take on and pretend to be so that we can be safe. So the original intent of the ego is to protect it's to keep us whole. So when 
those of us who enter the spiritual community enter it and begin seeing the ego as evil. This being that has protected us and loved us and nurtured us and, and, and deflected harm from hitting our delicate hearts. Naturally, the ego is a little offended <laughs> and it will fight to keep its spot. And not only that, but even when we approach it the right way and we say, hey, we're here, we're going to take over. Ego, your job is done. Now you can become the, the advisor that you were meant to be, the, the captain of the army, but subservient to the king or queen. But, you know, that's going to be your role from now on. Naturally, the ego's response is, oh, hell no. I've held this spot. I've I've protected us. I want to stay in charge. I, I've been in charge all these years. For most of you, you know, it, two, 20, 20 years, two decades or more, I'm not giving up the throne. I'm, I'm not giving up my authority, right? Because the ego does love authority. And the, the ego, like all parts of us, has a, a dark side to its light, an ability to become toxic. And that side of it says, you know, I'm not giving this up. I've been the one protecting us. I don't trust you to protect us. And that's part of the key. The ego doesn't want pain. It doesn't want to hurt. It sees hurt as the enemy, which, of course, is foolish. But it's foolish in a way that keeps it constantly fighting against us when we come in, charging, trying to take over, trying to say, you know, we don't, we don't need to be in our ego anymore. We need to be spiritual. We need to be listening to our intuition. We need to kill the ego. I mean, the ego is just not going to react well to any of that. Understandably so. So how do we heal a relationship with part of us Because it is part of us. It's not outside of us. It's not some external thing like a lot of spiritual teachers would have you believe. How do we heal that relationship without rejecting the ego altogether? Because again, rejecting the ego is not going to work. It's just not. You will constantly be at war with yourself and no one can thrive you might can become successful, but you can't thrive while being at war with yourself. So how do you correct it? Like any relationship with any piece of yourself, trust has to be rebuilt. Trust is the foundation of all relationships. If you can't trust someone, you're not going to submit to their leadership. And when you're in a relationship with yourself, when you look at relationships with yourself, it always has to be from the viewpoint of being the leader, being the one who takes charge, being the one that all other pieces of yourself trust so implicitly that they will follow whatever commands you give. How do you build trust when for two decades or three decades or however long Your ego has just seen you as someone who is incapable of protecting your own self from harm. So it begins with having conversations with that ego. Again, it goes back to everything is dating, getting to know your ego, understanding why your ego has made the decisions that it's made. Why did the ego choose a shy personality 
for someone whose natural state is extroversion. What's up with that? Why did the ego choose fear for someone who is naturally outgoing and willing to run and do anything? Why did the ego choose adrenaline suppression for someone who's a natural adrenaline junkie? Why did it make those choices? When you begin asking those questions and getting to know the ego, getting to understand why it made the choices it made. And yes, this is going to take you into some wounding. Yes, this is going to take you into some patterns that you have to heal. But when you begin to ask why it made those made those decisions, you can begin to appreciate and understand the quote unquote personhood of the ego itself. When you understand the ego, then you can begin to befriend the ego. You can begin to grow that relationship. So first, personally, anytime my ego speaks, I listen first. If my ego says, no, no, that's scary. We don't want to do that. That, that That's going to be bad. My first instinct now as I've grown this relationship is not to dismiss it and not to put my ego in the corner like so many coaches say and it pisses me off because that's not helpful either. My first instinct is to listen and to say, okay, that makes sense. And I use my ego as a wise counselor because that's what it is. It's meant to be an advisor. We are meant to take everything the ego says under advisement and then to use that wisdom in our decisions. So first I listen. And then if the ego's right and it is too dangerous, I say, okay, you're right. Risk versus reward. This isn't the path to take. But if the ego is wrong and my intuition strongly says, no, we have to do X, Y, Z, even though the ego is afraid, my next step is to give my ego something to do. Because again, I'm building that relationship. I'm building that level of trust. And instead of like just letting my ego sit around twiddling her thumbs, because, you know, I'm, yeah, her thumbs which always leads to bad things because idle hands are the devil's playthings. <laughs> and it's just, it, it is accurate in the case of the ego. I give her a job. So if we're going some, like, I, I say, you know, look out for X, Y, Z. Go and look out for that in this scenario. Go look for ways that we can make sure that this succeeds. And I look for things Like the ego loves strategy. The ego loves to strategize. The ego loves to look for danger. The ego loves to look for ways to succeed. The ego loves to come up with a plan. So I allow the ego to do the things that she's most good at, to do the things that she's meant to do in the first place. I tell her to go do that job. She feels appreciated, so she doesn't need to undermine me. She trusts that I'm listening to her, so she doesn't need to undermine me. She trusts that I will heed her advice and her wisdom, so she doesn't need to undermine me. And that's the key, is that when you aren't listening, when you aren't giving the ego a job, when you aren't uh, taking into account what it is they're saying to you, then they have to undermine you in order to force you to listen. You can probably apply that to multiple different relationships, can't you? 
where someone is undermining you because you haven't listened well enough, because you haven't built up the trust well enough. Same thing here. Everything is dating. Every relationship essentially is the same. It all boils down to the exact same things. Trust, respect, communication. So how has your communication with your ego been? Have you been calling the ego evil lately? Or, you know, suggested murdering it? Or killing it? (laughs) Or not listening to it? Or suggested that it's somehow inferior to whatever spiritual things you think are superior to the ego? Have you demonized it or belittled it? When you talk about the ego, how do you talk about it? Because it hears every single thing you say about it. And your words either add to or detract from that relationship. How are you building a healthy, solid relationship between yourself, this conscious part of you that's making decisions and your ego, the steward who you are dethroning. If you keep self-sabotaging, if you keep not quite being able to do the things that you want to do because things keep happening to sabotage you, you might want to check and make sure that your ego isn't feeling unheard, unseen, unlistened to, might want to check and make sure that your ego doesn't think that you're a complete and total idiot. (laughs) Because whereas your ego, when it trusts you, will allow some pain, if you consistently make decisions that open you up to unnecessary pain, think dating the wrong people because you're afraid you'll be alone, etc., The ego will happily knock you right off of that seat (laughs) and take control back and take ownership back. Ask yourself what your relationship actually looks like here. And what can you do today to build a better relationship with your ego tomorrow? I love you guys and I will talk with you soon.